You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. Good to be here. And uh, do you know, uh, I was only saying it to Denise as we were driving up this morning. It's the final Sunday of January. Hallelujah. We really are. I don't know if you are tuned into Irish culture and mythology, but the 1st of February, which is Tuesday, is known as Law of Reed or St. Bridget's Day. And it was always a big marker in Irish society that the spring was almost here. And I remember growing up, um, you would see on the Irish TV, always they had a little lamb born of a sheep. Um, always on St. Uh, Bridget's Day, and then a couple of days later, the lamb died from snow or something. <laughs> so I don't know, did the weather agree with it, but we're heading towards spring. However, I want to talk today about something. Uh, you can throw it up there. Thank you, Jessica. I want to talk today about looking the wrong way. And I think this is really pertinent and important to us, you and I, today, because it's something we've all been through. So most of us have lived through two years of a lot of, how will I call it, upheaval. Should say, welcome everyone on YouTube who's watching, and later on we're going to, and also listening on podcast, and later on we're going to have Facebook and Instagram live at our busy Happest Eleven service as well. So I want to talk about how you and I can look the wrong way. You see, people get mental breakdowns, yeah? People get emotional breakdowns, a broken heart, yeah? People physically can get really sick and break down. But we don't hear a lot about spiritual breakdowns. And in all my years, and I'm over four, I'm 40 years more a Christian, and I'm probably nearly 30 years a pastor, I've never seen so many people who've had a spiritual breakdown because of the last two years. In my opinion, it has divided Christians it has made a load of Christians really angry. It's made other Christians really afraid. People who were living on their own were traumatized. For some, it was a grand old break. So some people had a grand uh, lockdown and all of that. But you can't say it didn't impact you one way or another. And I want to talk about that today. And I'm going to look at um, Psalm 73, which I think is prophetic to our situation, not just here in Cork, but probably all over the world or most of the world. I was reading an article um, just over a week ago, and I also spoke to a neighbor of mine, and both their stories had a lot of similarities. The article was about an older man in his mid to late 70s, and two years ago, he really got frightened. And so he obeyed every single rule that the uh, health service came out with, so much so that he stopped connecting with other people. Um, he stopped all his clubs that he was in. He played golf. He was in a whole load of things. He stopped everything. He lived alone. And uh, the article goes on, and it reflects this neighbor that I was talking to. He basically began to isolate and live uh, two years of isolation. He did meet a few people. Um, out in the open, and in talking to my neighbor, who was quite similar, he um, 
just met his family for 30 minutes in the garden on Christmas Day. Other than that, he just stayed, stayed on his own the whole time because he was afraid of getting COVID. And in the article that I read, this man was so careful, the only place he went was the supermarket during quiet times. And he was really careful. And then sometime in December, he went to his local supermarket, really quiet times. And guess what happened? He ended up getting COVID. Now, praise God he wasn't that sick. Praise God it seems to be getting milder um, and less uh, toxic. So he wasn't that sick. But this man had a faith I don't know that he was born again. I think he was a Catholic man. But what he said in the article was he got really angry with God. He couldn't handle what happened to him because he played by all the rules and he still ended up getting it. And he began to get frustrated with God. Now, my neighbor didn't have that experience, but... As I was reading it, I thought of Psalm 73, and I also began to reflect pastorally on what I've been hearing for two years. Some people are so angry, they're, they're furious at, a, at the government, at so much, and I'm not a politician, and I have no political stand. I'm not going there. It's not what I'm called to do. I'm just a pastor. But I do care about the people I am called to give an account to God to, because the Bible says that, doesn't it? The Bible says if you're a pastor or a leader, you will be judged on a stricter level. And how we pastor people will be judged by God. So I take that seriously. And when I'm hearing terrible fear or terrible anger or despair, it impacts me. And so I am coming to you as we emerge from this pandemic. And it looks like we are. I'm not a doctor either, but that's what they're telling us. I just want you to reflect on yourself. Over the last two years, and maybe in still a bit today, have you been looking the wrong way? Because that's what seven, Psalm 73 is all about. So as I read it, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you touch every man and woman in this place? Everyone watching on. And, oh God, if anything is from your Holy Spirit, let it impact our souls. And whatever is from me, let it soon be forgotten. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's Psalm 73. God is good to his people who will say amen to that. But as for me, I nearly lost it. I missed seeing God's goodness. Why? I was looking the wrong way. Looking up to arrogant people who seem to have it all together. What's going on? I thought, where's God gone in all of this? The wicked get away with everything, and I've been stupid, obeying the rules, but getting a slap on the face every time I tried to do right. That was until I went into the Lord's presence. Hallelujah. Then I understood. Then I saw the real picture. How suddenly the wicked can vanish. But you, Lord, you love me. You support me. And you guide me all through my life with your wisdom and direction. And after I die, you'll bring me to heaven. Even if my health is troubled or I'm feeling low, my God remains. He is the strength of my heart 
and he is mine. Hallelujah. You might think that's worded a bit differently. It's uh, mainly from the message, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of the Bible. So it's kind of in modern language. And sometimes I like that, sometimes I don't. But when it's this important, we've got to leave kind of the old way of expressing and express it in a sharp way that we'll instantly get. For the 30 minutes that I have, I want to do that. So this is a powerful scripture. And I forgot to say that. Um, both the, my neighbor and this article I was reading, both of them said how their friends weren't following government guidelines and nothing happened to them. <laughs> but they were, and it's st they still got it. So let's see what the psalmist has to teach for us today. We see in verse 2, as for me, I nearly lost it. I nearly missed seeing God's goodness because I was looking the wrong way. Now, some of us are angry still, some of us are afraid still, and some of us are broken. Not everyone, but some of us are. So this is a really live Sam, I think. As for me, who's me? Who is the writer of this Sam? It's not David. It's a guy called Asaph. And Asaph was a musician, possibly also a singer he would have been what would have been known as an official in the temple in Jerusalem. He was at the heart of Israelite society. And what we know is that he took his faith really seriously. This guy worshipped God, a bit like maybe you were worshipping earlier on. This was real for him. He came before God regularly. But he was surrounded by some people, not all, but some who abused their power. He saw a lot of manipulation and other officials who put on a mask, pardon the pun, nobody here has a mask, only a physical one, but they put on a fake um, identity that they were spiritual, but they weren't spiritual at all. They were out for power. They were out to manipulate others. They were out for their own, if you will, pocket. And he saw all of this, and as he began looking at them, it nearly broke him. He nearly had a spiritual breakdown. He tells us he was looking up to arrogant people who seemed to have it all together. It's a bit like if you were faithfully following government guidelines and you felt lonely and really isolated and the days dragged on and you knew somebody who was taking no notice of it, nothing happened to them, something happened to you, you really get confused and and angry, and agitated, and this is what was going on to him, because he was seeing all these corrupt people who were cheating and lying, and yet life seemed to be going good for them. Mike shared a great word uh, probably two or three years ago based on this psalm called the curse of comparison, where we begin to compare ourselves to others instead of looking up to the Lord. And when that happens, you and I really start going down the slope. We get focused in on how talented the other guy is, or how good-looking she is, or how wealthy they are, or whatever it is, instead of looking up to God, that God has his own calling for our lives. And, and so he started looking the wrong way. I wonder over the last two years, have you looked the wrong way? 
because I found myself starting to do it a couple of times. I can remember years ago, many years ago, before this church was formed, someone in a Christian church who should have known better really mistreated people, particularly women. And when I saw it, it, it turned me off. And my idealism and perhaps my naivety and my zeal began to go way down. And maybe some of it did, but I began to get very angry and very agitated. And you know, for months, all I could see in life was through the lens of this guy manipulating people. It quite threw me. I won't say I had a full breakdown, but I'd say I wasn't far from it because for months, any time I came into God's presence, I didn't sense God near me. I was kind of going through the motions. I was trying to do the right thing, but my heart wasn't right before God. And I think maybe that's a little bit like Asaph was feeling. Maybe you felt that way at some stage. He certainly did. Look what he said. What's going on, I thought. Where is God in all of this. Where's God in all of this? And your job and your career is all over the place. And it's not working out. And your study isn't working out. And your relationships are troubled. Or you can't pay those bills. Or you're feeling really lonely. I don't know. Where is God in all of this? This is a genuine cry. This is a genuine question. You and I have freedom of expression before God. We can say this to the Lord. Would anyone say amen? It's okay to say this to God. The Psalms and the Bible are all about pouring out your heart. How can we pour out our heart if we put on a, a fake face before God? You'll never last as a Christian if you or I just, I don't know, be nice and flowery and fake before God. Be honest. Pour out your heart to him. And so he couldn't see God in all of this. He was going through a real challenging time, if not a full breakdown. Look what he says. He's gone through all of this while the arrogant or the wicked get away with everything. You know, when I went through that time many years ago where I just couldn't see anything, only this other guy manipulating people, I remember uh, how God stopped it. This had gone on for months. And I remember one day I was driving with work and I was driving down to go to Cove and I was passing Fota Resort there where the wildlife park is now. And it was raining heavily. Would you believe that? It was Ireland. It was raining. What can I say? But it was raining heavily and there was a lot of pools of water and I was driving a van. And as I was driving around the corners, it's a twisty road, I was going too fast and I aquaplaned. Uh, in the van and I went into beautiful old, old stone walls there. Uh -huh. Anyway, I went into the beautiful old, old stone wall uh, and you know, it was, like, it was like the Lord got my attention. It was like cold water on my face. Thankfully, I wasn't injured. It's actually the only car accident I can remember having in, over, in 40 years driving. And the side of the van was damaged, but it wasn't that bad. But the impact of it was, it was like God, I think, was behind it because there was no one else involved. It wasn't too serious, but it was a slap on the face for me in a good way. It's like in a heartbeat, in a second, I knew God was saying, cop on. Come on, Tom, enough. You gotta let this go. You can't go around like this. 
God got my attention and I thank him for it. So next time you have an accident, I wonder is God behind it? I mean, sometimes he just uses these situations if we're not listening. He whispers in the good times, but he screams or he shouts to us in our pain. It's the only way he can get our attention. And that's what got my attention because I was so fixated on this guy doing wrong things and God had to stop me. So I aquaplaned and God helped me. Look at what Asaph says. I've been stupid obeying the rules, but getting a slap on the face every time. It's like you're doing right and it's just not working out. And it's a bit like, and it's really important. One of the first scripture verses I read, I remember some of us as teenagers were born again. We used to go to a house up the hill behind us here, up Summer Hill, a man called Jim Rice. And he opened up his home. He was one of the few mature Christians we knew. And he opened up his home to meetings. And he had this very old Victorian painting on the wall with the scripture verse, broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. And sometimes God says, you've got to walk the narrow path. You've got to walk the narrow path. Very easy to walk the broad path, but it ends in death. Walk the narrow path. And sometimes the narrow path means, you know what? I am not going to keep looking at what's going on and what's wrong. I'm going to look up instead and see what happens. So Asaph was really struggling, but, but he had the cop on. He had the wisdom. He had the spirituality. Because he says in verse 17, all of this was happening until I went in to the Lord's presence. Here we have the big seminal moment where everything started to change. What exactly did Asaph do? Because sometimes we can read the Bible and we don't get the context. Asaph physically went into a building. He went into the sanctuary in the temple. He didn't just sit down somewhere. He went to a physical place. Now, that's Old Testament. The New Testament tells us that God no longer dwells in temples made with human hands. Who'll say amen? And it doesn't mean that you can't experience God in a temple or in a church building like this. Of course you can. But God isn't confined to a building. There is no such thing anymore as holy ground. With the greatest of respect to everyone who lives in Cove. Holy ground, holy ground is anywhere you connect with God, if you want to use that. So my challenge to you is, whether or not you're coming out of this pandemic with issues from the last two years, where is your sanctuary? Now, this is Christianity 101. And I remember it was one of the first things I learned as a Christian, but it's really important. We used to be encouraged as young Christians to have our quiet time, we called it. And we would take 15, 20 minutes every day to pray and read the scripture and reflect for a couple of minutes on it and go about our day. But it's vital that you and I have a place that for us is a sanctuary. For me, it's my favorite armchair about 11 or half 11 in the morning. That's where I'm at my best And in that place, I can really connect with God. So maybe for you, it's kneeling by your bed late at night. Or it's in the car and you pull over by the water. Or it's you out walking. Or whatever it is. But I think it's really important when, where, and how. You you might say to me, that's not very spiritual at all, really. Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. Like, make sure the wind is to your back. So for me, I make sure if, if I really need to connect with God in an important issue, I do this many times, but if it's really important, make sure you've had a good night's sleep. Don't go in exhausted, because you know what? You're going to have an exhausted experience. Unless you're fasting, don't go in starving with the hunger, because you'll start dreaming of chips and curry and all kinds of things, and you won't be dreaming of the things of God. So make sure you've eaten, unless you're fasting. And do it at a time that suits your body clock. I'm more a morning person. How many people here are morning people? Put up your hand. Would you say you're more morning? How many people here are more nighttime? Do you know what? I think all of you who put up your hands, the fact that you're at the early service really says something about you. Will we give our brothers and sisters a round of applause? The nighttime are up in the morning. <laughs> And those of you who didn't put up your hands are just really balanced. You can just do all day long. But get a time that suits you. I know some of you have heard this a million times, but it's so important. When is your time and where is your place? And if there's loads of distraction, like screens on, you know what? You're probably not going to connect with God that well. Asaph went into the sanctuary. It was a space he could connect with God. He went in, and when he went in, he went in there to God's presence. He could have gone into the sanctuary and not connected with God, but he did. And what happened? Then I understood. And as Eugene Peterson transliterates it, I saw the real picture. I began to see things as they are. And I challenge you in your life. See the real picture. Are we bringing stuff and baggage from the past and trying to interpret what's going on with that? Is our anger stopping us from seeing what God is about? Is our fear stopping us? Is our traumatic experience stopping us? So we're challenged all over. Go into God's presence and then see what's really going on. That's what Asaph did in verse 17. He had a revelation. He had an experience where he really saw what was happening. And he began to see. And he said, Lord, you love me. Would you say amen? And you support me and you guide me. You give me wisdom. You give me direction. And you will bring me to heaven when I die. To quote the cheesy old saying, it's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on the plate while you wait. Hallelujah. In other words, it's not just that we know we can go to heaven when we die. But God blesses us here on earth. Would anyone say amen? That's what he's saying. So when you and I come into God's presence... What happens? And if you don't do this, can I challenge you, encourage you? You need to do this. In God's presence, the first thing that happens is we calm down. Now, even if you were an atheist, simply going to a place that you like being and not doing something is going to calm you down to some degree. But spiritually, he calms us down. We're not distracted. We're not trying to keep someone else happy. It's just you and God. We begin to calm down. Straight away, we begin to get an advantage. We become self-aware. 
Some people are terrified of being self-aware. They don't want to reflect on what's going on inside. And there's a place where we need to do that. We become self-aware. I remember after I had that accident in the, in the van and aquaplaning, I remember coming into God's presence and I remember becoming self-aware that I was really angry and agitated and that it was sinful and I had to repent. So I became self-aware. And when you and I become self-aware, we become more humble. What does the Bible say? God opposes who? Who does he give grace to? Are you proud? Are you coming into your experiences with a pride? Or are you coming in with a humility? Far better to be humble. Who'll say amen? It doesn't mean you're a doormat or we're a fool or something. But better to be humble. That's the Jesus way. What would Jesus do? That's the Jesus way. Thirdly, we begin to see the bigger picture. It's not just me and my experience. There's a whole load of other things going on beyond me that all have a ripple effect. I don't see it naturally. But when we come before God, we begin to see him and we begin to see that he is in control of something far beyond ourselves. And we see then finally you and I are not called to be in control of our lives in that way. God is called to be in control. That's the essence of a Christian. It doesn't mean we don't have discipline or anything like that. But we are not called to be in control. He's called to be in control. And this usually is the separation between someone who genuinely follows God and someone who really doesn't. We are happy to let God be in control because he knows better. We're told in Proverbs, man thinks he can plan his way ahead, but it is God who directs his steps. Proverbs 16.9. You and I think we can plan out our future. You can read this in the book of James in the New Testament as well. We think we've got it planned out, but actually it's God is going to direct our steps. And I want to prophesy to someone who this week has had a door closed, slam in your face. As I was praying about this, I got the impression that you could feel the air brushing past your cheek as the door slammed. I'm not saying a physical door, but a door you were hoping to go through. And God is challenging you and saying, accept that the door is closed because I've got something better for you. Accept it. Bless the Lord for it. Because he's got a better door for you to go through. And this door that's closed, that's okay. I just leave that with you. I like what Joel Olstein, pastor and author, says. Sometimes what we think is a disappointment is really God bringing us to a new level. If over the pandemic you've been really disappointed, whether it's with government, with people you had a friendship with, whether it's with yourself, Maybe God is just bringing you to a new level. And I've seen that again and again in my own life. So it's really important, brothers and sisters, that we allow God to be who he is with us. Don't get bitter. If over the last two years you feel you've got a bitterness against anyone or anything, maybe it's government, maybe it's Christians, maybe it's your husband or wife or someone in the family, don't get bitter. Hebrews tells us, make sure no root of bitterness grows in you. Why? It'll only cause you harm. If you're bitter or I'm bitter, all we do is hurt ourselves. When we hurt ourselves, we hurt others around us. 
let me come towards a conclusion and share what I think I've always found it one of the most haunting Bible verses, which possibly goes over our heads when we look at it first. It's Isaiah. And Isaiah, in chapter 6 and verse 1, wrote, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne. Or the King James says, and his train fills, filled the temple. What, what does that mean? Isaiah was probably a teenager, maybe in his mid to late teens when this happened. And he came from a family who took their faith very seriously. Maybe a bit like you. I don't know that you'd be in church in a January morning at this time unless there was something seriously going on with your soul. Well, he took his faith seriously. And King Uzziah was his hero. King Uzziah really was used by God. He had been a godly king. But I don't have time to go into this this morning. King Uzziah, anyway, ended up being killed in battle, made a couple of wrong calls, and Isaiah's bubble was burst. The guy he really looked up to was now dead. It's like his whole focus and his lens for the future in Jerusalem, and Isaiah was a native to the city of Jerusalem, was now gone. His hope was in this great leader, Uzziah, who was now dead. And Isaiah, that year, really had a bit of a spiritual breakdown. He couldn't work out what was going on and what the future was. But sometime during that year, when everything had collapsed around him, something happened because Isaiah went into God's presence and Isaiah saw the Lord almost eye to eye. We're told he saw the Lord high and lifted up and seated on the throne. Isaiah had a similar experience to Asaph. He went into God's presence and he had a revelation of who God was. And from that moment on, Isaiah began to recover and get better. Hallelujah. So if a King Uzziah has died in your life, and maybe it's a relationship or a career or a study path or your view of the future. Maybe you're still frightened and have cause to be. Or maybe you still have a bit of anger going on because things really went bad for you even though you did the right thing. I know, and you probably are going to roll your eyes at this, but the only way forward for you and for me is coming into God's presence. That's the secret. You might say, that's so dumb, I don't care. You might call it dumb, I call it profound. If you have a real living relationship with God, spending time with him will transform how you look to the future. And so that's my word for today. I want to see God and I want to encourage you to see God face to face. I'm going to ask the band to come up for the last five minutes that we have. So... I'm going to pray in just a moment for anyone here who wants to say to God, it's the last Sunday in January. We still have a whole year almost left, 11 months. You can still make a resolution for the new year. You can still, and perhaps by the end of January, if you do make a decision, it's going to last and it's not just going to disappear after a week or two like a lot of new year resolutions. Maybe you're going to say, Lord, I am going to give you time and come into your presence regularly.
early because I don't want to start seeing things the wrong way and I don't want to have a breakdown. We're going to sing a beautiful song. You probably know it, Hosanna, but we're going to go straight in because when I see you, I find strength to face the day. Could you stand with me? You can throw up the words there, Jessica. Let's sing it as a declaration and then we'll pray. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. when we see you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away because when we see you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away some of the other space. If you're okay with it, I'm going to ask you to kneel. 
let's kneel before God if you're able to hallelujah can you also just lift your hands up to the Lord and in our hands oh God we give you our anger we give you our fear and we give you our disappointments even though we don't understand it we appreciate that you have got our back and that you're not against us you're for us can you say amen to that and so God we put our trust in your in and our future into your hands so here's our anger here's our fear here's our disappointment here's our trauma I want you to just silently in your heart now say the person say the situation or say whatever is going on just silently say it in your heart before God having whispered it into your ear Lord we pray would you take that from us now we will not walk out of this place carrying that burden we leave it at the altar we leave it at the foot of the cross we leave it here in grace christian church and we face the week without the anger the fear the disappointment the trauma god we can't do it ourselves so we need you come holy spirit and i'm going to ask you to say those three words come holy spirit at the count of three and by saying them you're inviting god to deeply come into the situation okay one two three come holy spirit let's do it again at the count of three into your life one two three come holy spirit hallelujah i'm going to pray now also for those who are going to say lord i'm really going to up my game maybe you've been doing it and you need to improve it or maybe it's just something that has fallen away i am going to spend time with you regularly and i'm going to make it a priority for the new year ahead so if that's you i'm going to ask you to join me with prayer can you stand let's stand before god and say it maybe some of us down in our seats are willing to pray this prayer as well let's lift our hands high up to heaven father for the new year ahead we give you time we give you attention father we focus our eyes on you and we say god help us to have a rhythm and a pattern in our lives so that day by day we will experience seeing you and knowing you and coming into your sanctuary so i pray into all of the sanctuaries as it were that my brothers and sisters need god would you open the door so that we can all really build that place into our rhythm and our lives where we see you face to face hallelujah hallelujah just the lord is saying to someone here and it's all about somebody dying and uh, i don't i don't mean physically but it's like that king Uzziah died a dream has died and you're grieving because the dream you had died could everyone just close their eyes on and off stage let's take down our hands i don't want to speak into the air but if something has died over the last two years and you're willing to say god would you help me to see you through this i think you need to put up your hand and then take it down again whoa okay there's a good few hands up all right could i ask us all to put our hands up one last time for our brothers and sisters here lord who've had someone or something die on them we pray now 
wind of the Spirit into your experience. Come Holy Spirit and help our brothers and sisters to really have a revelation of who you are and give them the strength to face the future. I pray, oh God, that instead of a dream that was maybe something of an illusion, illusions aren't real, something that wasn't fully real has gone. I pray you replace it with something wonderful, something of heaven, something that will last forever and ever come holy spirit now plant your seed right now into the hearts of my brothers and sisters hallelujah hallelujah dylan the lord would say to you the lord would say to you my son that I am going to give you space to breathe and I am going to allow you not only to breathe but to flourish. God would say this is the year where you begin to expand as a person and in so many other ways of your life. So right now says the Lord I am taking away walls and initially it might seem frightening but God would say to you Dylan this is nothing to fear this is God saying he's expanding your tent of meeting as it were he's giving you more opportunity so the Lord would say rise up and embrace the opportunity nothing to fear here the enemy has wanted to destroy you but God wants to bless you so the Lord would say embrace the blessing and turn your back on the lies that the enemy would say to you because they have no truth this is the word of the Lord amen amen praise God let's come and sing the song one last time but I pray God would bless your week ahead bless your coming and your going and bless everyone you love and may God's favor be with you for the week let's sing it as we go out coffee is served out in the courtyard Mike because when we see you we find strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away, are washed away.
God bless you and keep you in the coming week. Tea and coffee being served downstairs. We're back again in just 20 minutes for our late service. God bless and keep you.